Today's topic is going to be on dinosaurs, which I think everybody's always interested about. Um, dinosaurs is a multi-billion-dollar industry um, in today's society, and so we thought when when they first came to me and asked me to do a topic on on science and the Bible, um, creation, evolution, the stuff that you guys have probably heard before, I thought, ah, you know what? That's kind of boring. I need something that's a little more exciting. And so as I was praying about it and studying it a little bit, um, I really thought dinosaurs can be a great tool to use to teach young people. Um, although I think you're going to see throughout the presentation, there's one thing that I don't like about dinosaurs. And I'm not going to tell you right now. I'm gonna, you, you'll probably catch on to it throughout the presentation. But at the end, I'm going to tell you what that one thing is that I don't like about dinosaurs. And I think we'll see how many of you catch on to what that is. How many of you have seen any of the Jurassic Park movies? Most of you. Okay, good. So this clip won't be new to you, or at least most of you. Listen closely to what is being said by all the different people. So there's some interesting statements that are made throughout this. I don't know if you caught them, 
Um, at the beginning, she's talking about how, oh, this leaf was from such and such a period millions of years ago. And the, the man, as he sought this, we're going to make millions. And that's what much of dinosaurs is all about. It's all about this, what you hear and what you see and what you learn about. It's all based upon the money. Um, and even some of the stuff at the end about, wow, oh, wow, they do move in herds. We thought that. That's what they did. There's a lot of speculation, a lot of ideas about dinosaurs. And the typical story that most of you have heard in school, in movies like Jurassic Park, in the media, newspapers, books, magazines, whatever, is basically this. About 220, 230 million years ago is when dinosaurs lived. Um, they had evolved from earlier creatures. Come on in, guys. Um, most of them were plant eaters, although there were some meat eaters along the way. They didn't coexist with mankind. They lived way millions of years before mankind. There were about 500 different types and kinds of dinosaurs that are out there, and they went extinct approximately 65 million years ago. That's the story that most of you have heard within the schools. But what is the truth about dinosaurs? What does history really tell us about them? Um, and what's the complete story? And so today, when we take a topic like the dinosaurs, we're going to look at it from different angles because there's two different ways of looking at the same type of creature. There's what we call a secular worldview, which looks at it from man's theories and man's ideas and all these things that are out there. And then the other way looks at it through the lens of the Bible or a biblical worldview. Both are worldviews looking at the same data or the same information, the same evidence. So today, we're going to look at five different topics related to dinosaurs. The age of the dinosaurs, we're going to talk about did dinosaurs and humans coexist? What happened to the dinosaurs? How did they die off? What about the dinosaur legends that we've all heard about? And then what does the fossil record tell us about dinosaurs? And the whole purpose of this presentation is really to get you guys to start thinking about what you're hearing. It's about engaging your mind instead of just taking it in. Good analogy would be I sit in front of a television show and I just watch it. Critical thinking would be I may be watching that same television show, but I'm thinking as I'm watching and saying, that's not true. And what are they trying to teach me by that? And why do I, why is this such a common practice and theme in today's society? It's using your mind as you're taking information in and analyzing and critically thinking about that information. So when we talk about dinosaurs and, and critically thinking, I want you to start learning to ask intelligent questions. And that's really about what this presentation is going to be. Whoops, about, whoops. Wow, I'm going the wrong way. Okay. Asking the question about what is the truth? What assumptions are they not telling me that they're making? when they say this is what the story is about dinosaurs. Are there any other alternative explanations to this, not just what I'm being told? Um, what should I, when I hear or I read about a new dinosaur discovery, what should I be looking for? And at the very end, we're going to do a little quiz of a, a very recent article on a new dinosaur that was found. And we're going to read through that article quickly and see if you can pick out what, what's missing.
um, in there, what they're not telling you. And then take a look at which worldview is trying to tell you what this evidence is all about. So if I show you a, a diagram like this and ask the question, what's missing? And then I give you four alternatives. How many people think this is what's missing? Just raise your hands. One, two. How many people think this is what's missing? Couple. How many people think this is what's missing? Okay, most people. And how many people think the happy face is what's missing? All right, at least we got some positive people in here. Um, okay, so if we go back to our thing of what's missing, by me asking you the question, what's missing, I'm telling you there is something missing. And it could be one of these four. But really, nothing's missing. This is the diagram. But do you see how scientists do the same thing? They'll find two animals in the fossil record, and they'll say, well, there's something missing in between. There has to be some intermediary between here and here because, well, things evolved, right? So therefore, there has to be something missing in between. And so they create these intermediates because the assumption is there's something missing. But really, maybe nothing's missing. And maybe what we're seeing is the real picture. So let's think about the age of dinosaurs, the age. Because how do they do these? How do they figure out how old dinosaurs are? Most of the time, they do it by the fossil record, by the layers of ground. And depending on what layer the fossil is found in, that's how old the fossil is. Because fossilization requires millions of years to happen. The animal has to die and quickly get buried by some sediment. And then more sediment gets piled on top of that and more sediment. And over millions of years, lots of time then the hard stuff of the animal or the human, the bones, the teeth, the cartilage usually goes away, but the hard stuff becomes fossilized. And that's how we know that a dinosaur that was in this fossil record must be older than this one because it's further down. And so that's how typically they determine the age of fossils. However, there's some really difficult questions they can't answer because there's a lot of young fossils and for example in a boot is a fossil of uh, a fossilized and, and petrified version of a human foot here's a hat that's fossilized a teddy bear that's fossilized if any of you have gone to any of the petrified forests where you see a bunch of trees that have petrified or become rock you know they're not in the ground they're above the ground but yet they're petrified and if they would be covered, would be seen as fossils in 100 years from now. So how, does, how is it possible for fossilization to work in this case when all of these are less than 100 years old? Maybe fossilization doesn't take millions of years to happen. Maybe it takes just the right set of circumstances. Again, the assumption is that it takes millions of years. However, fossils have been found throughout this world that have fully articulated skeletons. They have skin still on them, soft, fleshy parts that are still part of the fossil. They have actually unborn babies right inside the fossil. And stomachs that actually you can look into and see what their last meal was before they died. 
I mean, that's pretty cool. But you won't hear about this kind of stuff because it doesn't fit the model of fossilization taking millions of years to happen. And again, how is this possible if dinosaurs supposedly died 65 million years ago? Whatever's flesh should have decayed a long, 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 long time ago. So let's look at a couple of these examples. In 1858, so less than, or about 150 years ago, there was a fossil of a hadrosaur dinosaur that was found that still had soft tissue covering 90% of its entire body. The beak was still there. The skin was still there. The nails, the, the claws on his, on his hands and, or his, his arms and legs were still there. The contents of his stomach were able to be analyzed. All of that stuff was, was there. How is this possible if fossilization really takes millions of years? It's not. It's impossible. Another example. In 2005, so just, what, seven years ago, they were digging out this T-Rex dinosaur, and as they were lifting this large thigh bone out with a helicopter, the bone broke, which they looked at the inside of the bone. It was mostly hollow, but when they cleaned it out a little bit, they actually saw these and took these pictures of soft tissue. This is, li- this is not live. It's dead tissue, <laughs> I guess, but it's tissue of a T-Rex dinosaur that's still soft, that's still red, inside now could this happen if this animal had died 65 million years ago or more would that have been preserved it's impossible in fact the 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 scientists that were and archaeologists that were digging this up said finding these tissues in dinosaurs changes the way we think about fossilization because our theories what does theories mean is that fact? No, it's basically yeah, it's an educated guess, kind of. Educated guess. It's just an idea of what possibly could be, right? Our theories of how fossils are preserved don't allow for this. Scientists are finally starting to admit when they start seeing the evidence that, wait a minute, our ideas don't fit with this, or this doesn't fit with our ideas. And so it's really turning a lot of science upside down but you won't read this in your textbook. You'll never see this in your schools, unless you maybe you go to a Christian school. You might see it then. But you won't see it in your textbooks because it totally flips science on its head and the theory of evolution because they can't account for this. So let's start to go back to those critical thinking questions. Why don't you hear about those stories? Why aren't those things in the media today? What does the actual or factual evidence really tell you about what dinosaurs are all about um is there a more plausible more credible explanation than fossilization over millions of years and evolution is there a better worldview that fits that picture and that worldview obviously is on day six god said that he made the beasts of the earth after his kind, the cattle after his kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and God saw that it was good. So God basically tells us that on day six, day six he created all the animals, including dinosaurs. So did dinosaurs and humans coexist? Well, 
right after that verse, after he created the animals and the dinosaurs, God said, let's create man in our own image, after our likeness, and that they will have power over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth and have dominion over them. So from a biblical worldview, dinosaurs and humans coexisted. From a secular worldview, dinosaurs and humans were separated by millions of years. There should be no cross-contamination of the two because it would be an impossibility. So what do we see, though, in history? We'll step aside out of science for a minute and just go into history. Prior to 1841, the word dinosaur doesn't appear in any language. There's no such thing as a dinosaur. Words like computer, locomotive, and rocket were in the 1828 dictionary, English dictionary, but not dinosaur. That didn't actually come into the dictionary until 1841. So prior to that point in time, what were dinosaurs called? Did they, obviously they just didn't show up in 1841. That doesn't fit the evolutionary time frame either. So what were they? Were dinosaurs, was, were dinosaurs in the Bible, aside from what we just kind of alluded to maybe in Genesis 1? Or are dinosaurs just separate from the Bible and not really included in there? If we go back into the Hebrew, into the language of the Old Testament, they didn't have dinosaur, but the word dragon or teninin is found sprinkled throughout the Old Testament. So dinosaurs are in the Bible, just not called dinosaurs. If we were to rewrite the Bible in today's language, yeah, somebody might translate dragon into dinosaur, but in essence, we find throughout Scripture dragons. In Isaiah 27, it talks about this leviathan, a serpent that's in the sea, and a dragon that's in the sea. In Job, he talks about a different one, slightly in Leviathan, and he, he, he describes it a little differently. He talks about his, the teeth being a terror. He had these strong scales, and, it, and his body was shut up like a, with a light seal. Um, they clasped each other, and they can't be separated. His sneezes flash forth light or fire, and his eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. Um, out of his mouth go burning torches. Sling stones are just turned into stubble for him. An arrow can't make him flee. He's, he regards iron as straw he can break in his, and, and bronze just as rotten wood it falls apart. This is this massive animal or beast or dragon that Job is describing. Or God is describing to Job. And then later on in Job, now we talk about God is again throwing forth to Job saying, And behold now this behemoth, another beast, a dragon, which eats grass as an ox, his forces in he moves his tail like a cedar. His, his muscles are all wrapped together, and his bones are as strong as brass and as or and as bars of iron. These are descriptions of of dinosaurs as we would know them today, or as we would describe them. So dinosaurs were included, not just in creation, but then also included in the fall, with the sin of Adam. And so we see all of creation, which started out as God described it eating the grass of the field, including humans, and every vegetable and every fruit for, for their consumption, to now a creation that is after one another and kills one another 
And we see now the creation of, in a sense, of meat eaters. So do you think that the dinosaurs, uh, uh, they no longer lived in the blood cave? Or do you no longer lived in, sorry, I didn't hear you. The flood? Yeah. And we're going to get to that. So we're, we're going to move ahead into that. Um, so at creation, God created all animals, including dinosaurs, and therefore they were included in the fall of mankind and became part of, of all of creation living from that point forward in, in a different way, becoming, in some cases, meat eaters. But again, going back to that concept of, of man and, and dinosaurs, in the same excavation spots that dinosaurs were excavated in, we find remains of human skeletons. But you won't hear about that in modern science. Because again, that totally throws a whole monkey ranch into the whole plan of things. Dinosaurs and humans living together, but they can't because they're separated by millions of years. But in two separate cases, separated by 20 years, in the same area and in the same, in similar levels, we find dinosaur bones and human bones. That kind of makes us question things a little bit, doesn't it? Maybe they did coexist. So again, going back to that critical thinking, why can't humans and dinosaurs coexist? Unless we only think a certain way, which says that dinosaurs were millions of years old and humans aren't. But that's an assumption, isn't it? Is there fact based upon that? Or is that just a worldview that is being posited to us and we just kind of don't think about it and say, oh, yeah, of course, right. Dinosaurs and humans, they can't coexist. And again, what worldview are we going to believe? Which worldview are we going to begin to think about as what is truth? So let's go a little further. What happened to the dinosaurs? How did they, how did they all of a sudden seem to vanish off of the earth in many ways? Science, for the most part, has agreed that dinosaurs died about 65 million years ago, and the most common explanation is that there was a giant meteor that struck the Earth. For years, it was, in the last several decades, it, it's been that there was this big, giant meteor that hit on the, around the Yucatan Peninsula in, in Mexico, and that's what destroyed all the dinosaurs. Now, what should be going through your mind when you th hear that story? What should you be thinking any questions come to your mind? Yeah. Aren't there dinosaurs all over the world? So if the meteor struck on this side of the world, how did the dinosaurs die on that side of the world? Good. Right. Where, where's the big hole that should have been there if it, if it destroyed everything? The peninsula's still there. Yeah, there's a little crater. Well, I mean, big crater, but it's still not that big. Yeah, how come only the dinosaurs went extinct 65 million years ago, but none of the other animals at that time went extinct, right? There's so many questions just to go through your mind when you hear a story that, oh, yeah, meteor wiped out the dinosaurs. Really? What happened to the rest of the world? They just kept on living? It was just somehow affected the dinosaurs? I heard in a movie I, wa I watched in a planetarium called Cosmic Collisions, and it said when the, you know, when the meteor hit, 
like the the whole earth basically caught on fire and it said that everything that could caught fire, you know, and burned. And then it said that uh, like I think it was sixty. 60% of all living things on Earth died or something like that? But only 60%. The other 40% had asbestos suits on, so they couldn't catch on fire, and everything was cool, right? Like. <laughs> we turned into a, you know, I guess, like a, I mean, the sun kind of, or something like that. Yeah, and you see how, how extreme the ideas have to get in order to account for something like that, because it doesn't make sense. You just have to use your head and think, and that doesn't make any sense. And there should be questions that go through your mind. So what are some other things that maybe could have happened to the dinosaurs? They speculated maybe climate change, right? It was this massive ice age that did the whole earth at once and just, well, but it only froze the dinosaurs, nobody else. Here's one that's maybe a little more, um, again, what you may read in, in, in the textbooks, is that some of the dinosaurs, they evolved or changed into birds, and so that's why you don't find dinosaurs anymore. Only the ones that are birds a little further, right? Or here's another little more crazy one. Maybe people just ate the dinosaurs, which is very likely if humans and dinosaurs coexisted. Um, or I think what most of us would believe and should believe, because the evidence would show this, and we're going to talk about that evidence very shortly, is that... 99% of them, 0.95, whatever, were wiped out in the flood. And only a small number, two of each kind, were saved on the ark. And all others, along with every other sea creature, was buried. But what happens do we have for a global flood? Because most scientists will laugh at you if you said there was a global flood that covered the entire earth. Yeah, right. Maybe a localized flood just in the area that Noah was, but not throughout the whole earth. But what evidence do we have of that? There are marine fossils on the tops of virtually every mountain range in the entire world. How do marine animals get to the, that are swimming in the oceans get to the top of mountains? It's impossible. Unless you had a global flood that put them on the tops of mountains as it sank. That's a very plausible explanation that fits very closely with the biblical worldview. Some scientists would go as far as, let's think of an idea of how, oh man, how can we explain these things? Because man, it doesn't fit our model. Um, maybe, maybe the mountains sunk down and the, earth, the water covered them and then the mountains rose back up later over millions of years. And that's one of this one of the theories that they said that's how it happened. But you, do you see how ridiculous those ideas are? That that has to happen but you have to think to come up with something because it doesn't fit your model and your worldview. Another evidence of a global flood is what they call dinosaur graveyards or dinosaur boneyards. And basically, you can find them throughout the world. In floodplains, so areas that are lower than the rest of the ground all around them, so that as Noah's or as the flood of, of Noah's day destroyed the earth, as the waters receded, and again, this is massive amounts of water, and, and we've all seen what can happen when there's 
a tsunami and the floods just destroy the entire area. Well, magnify that to a thousand times and think of what would happen. And all this garbage would be collected. All these dinosaur, dead dinosaur carcasses would be gathered together in the low-lying floodplains. And that's why you find these dinosaur graveyards throughout the world on every continent. Catastrophic event. A massive flood is the only thing that, th- that can explain this. It, unless, of course, all this, this dinosaurs and the animals in that area just got this idea. Listen, why don't we all go down to the floodplain and just die there? at the same time, and just get buried by a bunch of dirt. Like, it, it just doesn't make sense. Unless there was a catastrophic, catastrophic event the size of a global flood that would wash all of these animals in. Again, think of it. These animals are tons and tons of weight. Think of how massive this flood must have been to be able to carry these things along and deposit them in a, in a floodplain. And one of the other things that they don't tell you and you won't find in, in any of those, is that in every one of those dinosaur graveyards, not they don't just find just dinosaur bones. They find bones of every single vertebrate group that's out there. So alongside with a dinosaur bone that they're finding, oh, there's a bone of a penguin. And oh, there's a fossil of a fish. And oh, there's a fossil of a bird. And there's a fossil of another inf- a crocodile. Sprinkled throughout the same graveyard because all the animals were gathered together in that area. But the only thing you hear about are the dinosaurs that were found in this graveyard. But if other modern-day animals that we know of, that we can identify and say, this is a penguin skeleton, the same as this penguin today that we know of, then we can pretty well say with assurance that they lived at the same time as other animals. And it wasn't 65 million years ago or more. Here's another evidence of rapid burial. A fish in the middle of eating his supper. Now, if fossilization is true, how is it fossilized? Fish is in the middle of eating another fish, dies, massive heart attack, I guess, sinks down, the other fish is still kind of not fully dead yet, and just they kind of wait on the bottom for lots of sediment to cover them, and over millions of years they get fossilized really that doesn't make any sense or how about this one here's a fossil of an animal that lived millions of years ago that looks really similar to this shark down here and is there anything interesting about this one giving birth decided to die halfway giving birth and well just wait there while sediment eventually covered it and became fossilized but this fits very well with a global catastrophic flood that buries everything as it turbulence, as things are whipped around in, the, in this ever-swirling torrent of the flood. But what about the ark? Does that mean dinosaurs were in the ark? Or did God just say, decide that, well, this flood is coming. I'm just going to use the flood to wipe out all the dinosaurs. Forget the dinosaurs. I'm tired of dealing with them anyhow. They're too big. They eat too much. Whatever, right? Like, I mean, or were they on the ark? The Bible says that God, God commanded that every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort, shall thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female. And this is the picture that we get of 
in a sense, in our mind of, of the ark, that all these animals are just rushing to them. And, and we have lions and camels and, oh, some dinosaurs and some snakes and giraffes and every different type of animal, and it's, they're all coming to the ark. And this is what we, it's what's in our Sunday school books and, and also just in, in general what we think of when we think of, you know, full-size elephants, you know. How do we fit this full-size elephant on the ark? You know, that door must have been really wide. And how do we fit a giraffe in the, you know, the ark when, when one layer is only this high? And was there holes in, in the floor of the ark so that the neck could stick up through there? There's all these, these in some sense, silly questions that, that, that are thrown at us by people that don't believe in the flood and the ark. That says, well, how is that possible? But think about it from this perspective. Why did they have to be full-sized animals on the ark? If you want to fit the most amount of things in the ark, do you take a lot of big things or do you take a lot of small things? And considering that all of creation was wiped out, you had to procreate and fill the entire earth again. Do you take an old animal that doesn't have very many years left to bear children or offspring or new animals? No, you're going to take a younger one that can procreate many, 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 many times. And let's think back to the ark or to the time of the flood. How old did people live to, according to the Bible? 969 years old was the oldest recorded man in the Bible prior to the flood. 969 years. What do we know about reptiles? They don't. Well, actually, that's the opposite truth. Reptiles live for many, many years and don't ever stop growing. So if we took an alligator that we knew was 100 years old, for argument's sake, and now put that pre-flood... And it was now able to live not 100 years, but 10 times longer to 1,000 years. How big do you think that alligator would be? Massive. Dinosaur size. Post-flood now, how long do we have mankind living? In the same chapter, prior to God destroying the earth, this is what God says. My spirit will not always strive with man, for that he is also is flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. Prior to destroying man, he says, after this flood comes, man's not going to live 969 years, not 600 years like Noah was when he entered the ark, not 200 years. The most man is going to live is going to be 120 years from this point forward. And that's what we find. And that doesn't happen just to mankind. That was to creation. Creations does not live any longer. That, and you, you find now, we don't find animals living for 200, 300 years. You find them having a short lifespan, just like we do. And most of us will never hit 120. So things have changed in the earth from pre-flood to post-flood. And so the size of animals are no longer the size that they were because of the conditions pre-flood and post-flood. There was a lot better conditions before then. 
in the sense of think of today with, with all of the pollution and all the others. Think of all the diseases. Any of you have pets that now your pets are getting dogs getting cancer. I mean, it's just the stuff that, that we are finding that's, that our bodies are decaying is happening in all of creation because of the fall of mankind. And it will continue to happen until Christ comes back again to redeem us and create a new heaven and a new earth. So we need to continue to be critically thinking about the information that we have before us, whether in schools, in books, in the media, wherever. But let's go into another little area called dinosaur legends. Because, again, think about it. We don't hear much about dinosaur legends today. We hear a story like the Loch Ness Monster and roll our eyes like, oh, please, these people are crazy. But if we go back in time, 200, 300, 500, 800, 1,000, 2,000 years ago, Dinosaur legends were everywhere. It was a part of life. Stories of dinosaurs. Pre the time of Christ, or sorry, yeah, about 100 years, 130 years before Jesus Christ, this, were, this was a mosaic of the Nile by, by some, in the area, by, by the natives, or I guess or whatever you would call them, that lived in the area. That was a mosaic that they had done. So this is, again, this is 2,000, 2,100 years ago. Now, for the most part, considering these people didn't have the media, how would they know what in the world that looks like? Unless what? They saw it with their eyes and depicted what it was. And it's interesting, prior to the 1800s, so prior to 200 years ago, every natural book of history in the entire world, bar none, included stories about dinosaurs or dragons, as they were called at that time. If we jump ahead in time a little bit, does anybody know what this is? What's it called? Zodiac, the Chinese Zodiac. This is how they do their calendar, right? Now, on here, what is this? It's a rat. What's this? Tiger. What's this? horse, a monkey. We pretty well know these, right? What's this? A dragon. Does it make any sense that in 5 BC that the Chinese people would put on here 11 known items, 11 animals that were real, that they could touch, they could feel, they could play with, they could kill, they could do whatever, and just out of, ah, you know what, let's just, for argument's sake, let's just throw in some um, fantasy how about a dragon? No. These were all known animals to the Chinese people living in 5 BC. They had to be. None of these other ones are fake. Why throw in one fake one out of 12? Just for fun? And meanwhile, what is the most important area in this entire zodiac for a Chinese person? The dragon. That's the, the year of the dragon is the big one. That's the best one. And it's not because it's a fantasy, it's because it's real to them. Let's go ahead now by about 500 years to about 1500 years A.D. And throughout the Incas, the, the Indians, they have all sorts of carvings on all their stones. And that's how they recorded history, is by carving it into stones. And they're called the Inca stones. They're everywhere. 
And in there, there's all kinds of stones, several, almost one-third of the stones, 30% of the stones depict specific types of dinosaurs, Triceratops, Stegosaurus, um, Pleosaurus, several Diplodocus-like dinosaurs, um, and all these things. Now, again, they don't have the Internet. They don't have newspapers. They don't have movies. They don't have anything else, but yet, wow, where'd they come up with the idea of a Triceratops that looks exactly like what a computer-generated one in Jurassic Park looks like? Unless what? They saw it with their own eyes. That certainly looks like one. You look at some of these, again, from 500 to 1500 AD, where did they come up with these ideas? There's no media. There's nothing for them to go by unless they what? Saw it themselves with their own eyes and put these pictures on here. If we move ahead into the 1500s a little bit later now, this is the Carlisle Cathedral in England. And in the floor of this is a tomb of one of the bishops of of this cathedral. And on his tombstone, or all around it, is actually carvings of dinosaurs. Again, not knowing the media or not having that, it's interesting that he would, as a bishop of the church, put those onto his tomb all around it. They've covered it up with a with a cloth or with a big rug and don't allow people to see it because nowadays the, they say, well, we don't want people to get the idea that somehow dinosaurs and humans coexisted. So we don't want to mess with that so we're just going to cover it up so it doesn't generate any questions which is kind of almost sad because that's the church that's doing that that's buying into the idea of a secular worldview that dinosaurs were millions of years old if we go ahead to a more modern time there was a man that that traveled throughout the world and went to the to the pygmies in africa to a, a place called Lake Tele. And in this area, there's a story of a dinosaur that, that they killed. And the area is about 55 square miles long. And this man, Eugene Thomas, was told this story by them. And this was the description and diagram that they kind of gave of this animal. Now, again, this is, this is in 1959. This is only 55 years ago that they said this happened. Now, again, pygmies, where in the world? Where would they come up with this idea of this animal? They live in the middle of nowhere. Like, they don't have electricity. They don't have nothing. How do they know what a dinosaur looked like? How would they be able to describe something that looks very similar to what we see in our textbooks today? Unless what? Maybe it was really a dinosaur. See, because what happens over time with legends... It's a story that was very familiar because there was hundreds of them everywhere and thousands. Over time, as time goes on, begin to fade to the point where what we, what started out like this became smaller and to the point where it's, ah, it's just made to be a cartoon dragon. Really? With fire coming out of it? Come on. How, with little wings in the back? Society makes it out like a joke so that we don't believe it. And again, the less 
common they are, the less likely we are to believe it. So now when we hear something like, oh, someone saw, saw a Loch Ness Monster type of thing and somewhere we roll our eyes like, yeah, right, these people are nutcases, just like UFOs or whatever, any other idea that's out there, right? But really, in reality, dinosaur legends were very true in, in all of creation, in all of history. Why don't we believe the dinosaur legends? Because there's not many of them? And are there those out there that have been verified? And, and we can see that there are, obviously. Um, so let's quickly look through the, the fossil record. Do you know that most fossils weren't found until pretty well after the 1800s? So fossils are a relatively new thing. Not that they weren't there. They are obviously there. But we really didn't start finding them until we started getting this big excavation equipment and started building these big cities and digging out these massive amounts of dirt. And then we started finding these things. So fossils, per se, are relatively new in things. And, and fossils are really just a trace or remnant of, of something that was preexisting that, that got embedded in, into the, the Earth's crust. And they say it's a recording of history. Um, and, and they say, well, it, we can estimate the time of death by where they are in this, right? The ones that are lower died first. And then we can just say there's millions of years in between each of these layers. And that you see, most of you have probably seen something like this in your textbooks, right? Science textbooks. It's called the geologic column. And simpler animals are down here. More complex animals are up here. These ones lived earlier than these ones who have lived later on in, in, society, in the time of history. And there's different periods, Jurassic period, Triassic period, the, the pre-Cambrian and pre-Cambrian. And it looks fantastic. This is, this is a great diagram. But do you know that this has never been found once in the entire world in this order? Because it's just a made-up idea, this geologic column. There's no truth to it. Scientists came together and said, well, our idea is that simple animals live first, and then they evolved into more complex animals, and therefore they died first. And so we make up this column and say, well, this is now the geologic column. This is the history of Earth. This is nowhere near the history of Earth. There isn't an ounce of truth in this. It's just a speculated theory or idea that comes from science. And it's based upon four assumptions that are there, and we're going to go, quickly go through each of them. So the one assumption is that this fossil sorting re represents the history of, of life on Earth. And somehow these, you know, according to Darwin, these simple, simple little creatures of only a single cell evolved over millions of years and separated into all these crazy life that we find, and eventually they evolved into humans. But is this really what the fossil record shows? Or do we find something different happening? What we actually have happening in the fossil record is here at the Cambrian level is this massive explosion of complexity. They find all of these animals th from s simple to complex in abundance everywhere. So there's no history of evolution from very, very simple to very, very complex. It's just boom, there it is all animals in all of their complexity and simplicity at one time. Assumption two, the fossils that are found in the lowest levels must have lived millions of years prior to those in the upper levels. And so within a textbook, you're going to see all oh, the Triassic period with then the Jurassic, then the Cretaceous and the Paleocene and the Eocene, and that's how things evolve. But what do we actually find when we look at reality? When you go to pick a spot, and here's a, a spot in Switzerland, and 
these things are all goofed up and it's missing a level. So really, how do you know that one lived before the other when you actually don't find the layers in successive order? It's just not there. Anywhere you go in the world, you'll never find it matching what's in your textbooks. It just doesn't happen. Assumption three, the first time you find a fossil in that layer, the lowest layer, that's when the creature must have evolved or, or began. And then, but, but what happens when you're missing some chunks in time? So if you find a creature in this level, the Cretaceous level, in this area of the world, and this was in Alberta actually, you don't find it in the level before it. Well, they must have begun in this level. But wait a minute. You're missing these four levels in between. So how do you know really when it began? You don't. It's just a guess. It's an educated guess, as it was said at the beginning, of where these things came from. And then the last time we find this fossil, that must be the time when it went extinct. So here's a fossil of what they've called a, a, a coelacanth. It's a fish thought to went extinct about 65 million years ago. And they find these fossils everywhere. And it died 65 million years ago. Absolutely, the scientists were convinced. Until it was discovered in 1938 off the coast of Madagascar living. Then I was like, ah, oops. And that's why we call them out-of-place fossils, because they're big oopses. There's someone says, yes, this lived then, but oops, we just found one that lived. That's either A, living, or later on in the fossil record, that doesn't fit where we said they should be extinct. Here's some other oopses. In 1925, less than 100 years ago, on the beaches of Santa Cruz, California, this large mammal washed up. It was in the newspapers. There's this massive animal that washed up, 40 to 50 feet long. It's got this massive head, a huge body, super long tail. Well, actually, sorry, a three-foot-long tail, but a 20-foot-long neck. The, the curator of the Natural History of Museum in British Columbia, in Canada, came down to see this animal. This is a secular guy, has a secular worldview, doesn't believe in creation. He comes down, and he looks at this, and he says, I would call, call this a type of Pleosaurus, a dinosaur. But how does a dinosaur that went extinct 65 million years ago still have skin and flesh, and the whole body on it. It's impossible. It doesn't fit. It's a oops. It's out of place. Way out of place. And each one is getting, each example I'm giving you is getting earlier and earlier, or more and more current to us. So now we jump ahead to 2006, six years ago. This washed up on the shores of Russia. Soldiers came along, Took a bunch of pictures, and I didn't put, include the pictures with a bunch of the soldiers standing around and whatever, um, looking at it. But, um, again, you won't find these in your textbooks. You won't find them in modern news articles. You won't find them in any current media unless you're looking into the Christian media, which love these examples. Because this proves a biblical worldview and not a secular worldview. But it's not a crocodile. It's not an oversized alligator. It's not a fish. It's a type of dinosaur. But again, this wouldn't be there if it lived a million years ago or 65 million years ago. But within the biblical worldview of a creation that's roughly about 6,000 years ago, 
started, give or take, this really fits into why. And here's what I think is one of the greatest examples. July last year, one year ago, this washed up on the beach in the, in the United Kingdom. 30 feet long, has some flippers on it, still has lots of tissue on it. This is impossible with a millions of years time frame. There is no possibility of this happening. Not even if this was encased in ice, in an iceberg way up in the Arctic that eventually made its way down and melted in the warm waters and eventually kind of made its way onto a beach in the Ukraine. It's impossible. Or not Ukraine, sorry, the, the United Kingdom. But it fits within a biblical worldview. So again, let's think about the critical questions. Is that geological column actually based on evidence or is it just somebody's idea that says makes it look pretty? What assumptions are they making and are they even truthful assumptions? Or is it something that they just want to try to postulate and, and put down your throats? And what worldviews have affected and influenced that information that we're getting? And I was going to give you the... So this was just in March 2012 of this year, just a few months ago. This was in in all of the news that they found this new dinosaur species and there was part remains that were found, one from a park in Calgary and one along the Alberta-Montana uh, border. Um, and they were two meters long, about 90 kilograms, and they lived about 83 million years ago, one of the oldest of its kind. And you could obviously see from the picture that's what they you know, have depicted as what this dinosaur is. When you read something like this, a new thing, look for some interesting information that's in there because they're always going to tell you what you need to know. The first discovery was simply a jaw. And the second one was just a scrappy little jaw. So out of this jawbone, they determined everything about this thing. If I just took your jawbone, if I was able to block out everything else on Becca but this spot right here, could you tell me a lot about her? What height she was, what color her eyes were, what color hair she has, how many fingers she had on her toe, or I mean on her hand, not her toe, how many toes she had on her feet? You wouldn't be able to tell me nothing, aside from the size of the jaw. And you might be able to make an estimation her jaw was this big, so she might be about this big. But that's what these scientists are doing. From this, they create this. It's just amazing. And this is in the article. So hopefully you've seen as, as we've gone through all these different things that there's a, a really, the most plausible explanation for dinosaurs is encapsulated in a biblical worldview. A secular worldview doesn't bring us much information at all. Matter of fact, it brings us a lot of misinformation or misguided information. So be critical in your thinking and always be looking out for the next missing link within the dinosaur record, because I'm sure it's going to be found. So, last thing, what is the one thing I don't like about dinosaurs? The one thing? No, not the, no. Um, the one thing I don't like about dinosaurs is that modern science has used them to lie to people. And that's wrong. We've been lied to in every area about dinosaurs. 
and hopefully today you've learned a little bit more of the truth about them. Last question. How come we don't see dinosaurs now? For the most part, we don't know if there's any living today, other than we can see that some are washing up on beaches that are still relatively new, shall I say. Um, and obviously from areas like the, the pygmies in, in Africa, there's a good likelihood there are dinosaurs still living today. Very few as they've become extinct. Like, think of how many ex- animals, creatures in your lifetime that have gone extinct because man basically wiped them out or some disease wiped them out um, or they were put to a place where, where there's none left. And in the same way, dinosaurs over the years have become more and more and more extinct or less known and less visible. However, there's areas in this world that man have never been or very few people have been other than these pygmies that have lived on their own for centuries. And in those areas, they seem to still be finding some. Um, So are they totally extinct? Probably not. Most of them are, yes. Um, But I think you will see over time, less and less of them will become known and less and less of those legends will continue although you will see god still washing up on the beach another example to challenge science to prove him wrong so thank you for your participation